Well, I can tell you that this is definitely not on my bucket list. <laughs> I think my heart rate just jumped. Okay. Um, hey, after resigning his pastorate to lead another church, a pastor was approached by an endearing older member of the congregation. She wept over the pastor's decision to leave and said, things will never be the same. The minister tried to console her and said, don't worry, I'm confident you will get a new pastor who is better than me. She continued to sob, replied, that is what the last three pastors have said, but they keep getting worse. So, Betty, don't come crying. <laughs> okay, this morning we will be continuing our journey through the book of Mark. Since we began our study, we've witnessed many of Jesus' miracles, along with his everyday teachings and him discipling his followers of what it looks like to live in his kingdom and to prepare them to be his messengers. Jesus was on a mission of love and power to change the world. Forty times Mark uses the Greek word ethos, which when translated means straightway, directly, immediately. There is an urgency that Jesus has with Jesus as he works towards completing his task and providing salvation and power to all who believe in him. The Gospel of Mark presents Jesus as the servant. A good servant, which Jesus is, takes immediate action when they are given a task or an order. A good servant does not delay. Today we will be looking at chapters 9 and 10. To begin, I will read, be reading from chapter 9, verses 33 to 37. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. On the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and he, when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So who is the greatest? Many of you are familiar with the famous boxer, Muhammad Ali, who was quoted as saying, I am the greatest even before I knew it. Sounds pretty arrogant, doesn't it? Here in the verses I just read, the disciples were having a similar conversation and mindset. Before we go any further, I'd like to give a little bit of a background, geographic background, as to where these disciples had traveled prior to this conversation. If you look at the map at the top, 
there at the Sea of Galilee. There's Capernaum. And um, this was kind of the hub of Jesus' ministry. The beginning of the book of Mark, chapters 1 through 7, is where Jesus spends his time in this region around Galilee. And then in chapters 8 to 10, he heads south towards Jerusalem. And it's actually three years into his ministry where we will see that he will be crucified. In these chapters that he shares with his disciples, what disciples... Wait. It is in these chapters that he shares with his disciples that discipleship really looks like. Before they head south in chapter 8, they spend some time in Caesarea Philippi, which is up there at the top. And it is here that Jesus asked them, Whom do you say that I am? Peter responds, You are the Christ. This was the first recorded confession of faith. He is more than just a miracle worker. He is the Christ, the Messiah. So then Jesus uses that opportunity at the end of chapter 8 to tell them, you're right, Peter, and here's what you need to know about your king, the Son of Man. He has come to die, and he tells them how they are headed to Jerusalem, and that when they get to Jerusalem, he will be arrested and then he will be killed, and after three days he will rise again. This is the first time Jesus prophesies his death and resurrection. Now looking at the map, near the town of Nazareth, there is Mount Tabor. Uh, It's just a little little triangle there. Uh, This is where the transfiguration took place in chapter 9. And it is here when Jesus took Peter, James and John, and they see Jesus in all his glory for who he really is. And they hear God saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Again, all of this is key to know because these disciples are coming off the heels of Peter, understanding who Jesus is. Jesus teaching them that he is going to be killed and resurrected, them seeing him in all of his glory, that when we get to chapter 9, the section right before I read verses, verses 33 to 32, Jesus again tells them for the second time that he has come to die. So even though Jesus has been displaying himself for who he is, the disciples just don't seem to use a whole lot of wisdom in their conversation. Instead, are concerned about who they are and who wants to be the greatest. So here in verse 33, the text I read, they are back in Capernaum, most likely in the house where Peter lived. Verse 33, then he came to Capernaum, And when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? I think Jesus knew the answer to that question. But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. 
I don't know about you, but when, but I can relate with the disciples after having moments like that where I wished I could have crawled into a hole. The disciples were embarrassed, probably, wishing they had never had had that conversation. But the reason Jesus asked them that question was because he wanted them to see him for who he was, their servant king, the Messiah, the one who died and rose again. The irony of all this is, how many times do we go through life pumping ourselves up to make ourselves look good, trying to make other people look small so we look better? How often do we go through life acting as if God is sovereign, being of the creator of all things, master and king, and then we tell him we want to do things our way? All too often, we are very much like those disciples. Jesus knew their weaknesses, just like he knows our weaknesses, and he responded with grace and patience. Reading on in verse 35, he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to come to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And then Jesus gives them this illustration. Then he took a little child, set them in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. It's been a while since I've had small children, but now we have grandchildren, and there will always be opportunities for those teachable moments, much like what Jesus did today in these verses. It is significant that Mark mentions the fact that Jesus sat down. Maybe you're thinking he sat because he was exhausted. But in fact, Jesus sat down because he was their rabbi. He had the authority as a teacher, and that's what rabbis did. They sat and taught. And then Jesus gives them the response to the question, who is the greatest? the answer which they were afraid to mention. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Ooh. It truly doesn't seem to be how we would answer the question to greatness. But the beautiful part about it is Jesus never rebuked their passion for greatness, but instead he redefined it. He had a, they had a desire for significance within them. We all have that desire within us. So Jesus has this way of pruning his disciples by showing them a child. That's greatness and to be a servant of all. That's greatness. Showing them the way to think and the way to see, but he never stole 
from them their significance and value. True greatness is found in being a disciple, following the rabbi, the servant of all. The world says to be the greatest is the one with the loudest voice, the most popular, the one who conquers, the one who wins, the one with the strongest opinion. But Jesus says, you have to be last of all to be the servant. He is simply asking them to be a disciple, to be like him. He wasn't saying to be a disciple, you need to get all the facts, get your head knowledge filled up about Jesus. No, instead, he was saying, he was saying a disciple is one who genuinely, truly follows Jesus. This reminds me very much like what Asha spoke about last Sunday in chapters 8, verse 34. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As I was preparing, I wondered, is my sermon too much like what Asha spoke about last Sunday? But then as I studied, I realized that Jesus needed to repeat to his own disciples time and time again what it meant to follow him, to take the path that he was going to take. And I thought, apparently, this is what Jesus is wanting us here at East Petersburg to really understand and to really know how to flesh it out. After all, our church statement is learning to live and love like Jesus. And so let us take another look at a similar situation between Jesus and the disciples in Mark 10, uh, 33. For the third time, Jesus gives a description to his disciples concerning the death, uh, the kind of death that he would face. And it was while they were on the road to Jerusalem. I have to wonder, did any of them express any words of concern or sympathy to Jesus about the suffering he was predicting? You would think after three times of hearing Jesus telling them this, that they would want to discuss it or have questions concerning it. But instead, if we look at the following verses, this is what they were discussing. Starting in verse 33, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask and he and he said to them what do you want me to do for you well again we see the patience of jesus they said to him grant us that we might sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory but jesus said to them you do not know what you ask are you able to drink the cup that i drink and be baptized with the baptism that I baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So Jesus said, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and the baptism that I baptized with. 
you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those of whom it is prepared. So I have to ask the question, what was at the heart of the disciples that caused them to continually have this discussion as they journeyed? Some things die a slow death in our lives. The pride, the self-seeking that feed the desire for human greatness is one of them. In the devotional, Lent for Everyone, N.T. Wright makes an interesting point about the irony of the two prisoners on the left and the right of Jesus when he was crucified. Did James and John really understand what they were asking? Jesus' promise to James and John was not for position of honor, but rather an assurance that they would suffer for his name. In the book of Acts, the first apostle to be executed was for the cause of Christ was James. So how did Jesus redefine greatness? He modeled the life of a servant. Becoming like Jesus means becoming servant-hearted. Some may seek to work miracles, but Jesus not saying, did not say his first work was that. Some may desire recognition or to exercise the power Jesus functioned in, but he did not say his primary purpose was to display his power. Jesus said his primary purpose was that he, be, to, that he came to serve, to serve and to seek and save the lost in Luke 19.10. He came to serve as an example of humility and self-sacrifice. Even now, he continues to serve as our intercessor, praying to the Father on our behalf. <clears throat> so this week, let's take time to ask the Father to show us his servant heart, to reveal to us areas that need pruning, Areas that could use more humility and new ways to serve. As Josh and the team comes forward, I'd like to close with these powerful words from Paul in the book of Philippians. Philippians 2, 5 to 11. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the, to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness and has now been given the greatest of all names, 
The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord, Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God his Father. Thank you.